The following is the entire Congress testimony of David Grush, who, until recently, worked at the National Geospatial Agency, NGA, as an intelligence officer. He was one of the chief officers charged with analyzing reports of Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena, UAP, and also Transmedium Object Analysis, reporting directly to the UAP Task Force. He claimed that the United States government has conducted secret retrieval and reverse engineering operations on crashed non-human aircrafts. He also stated to the media before that the United States government retrieved not just alien technology from these crash sites, but also non-human bodies. I'll leave you then with the full, under-oath testimony of David Grush, but don't forget to subscribe to the channel if you want to see more of this exciting content. And consider leaving us a like. It really helps. Do you solemnly swear or affirm that the testimony you are about to give is the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth? So help you God. Let the record show that all the witnesses answered in the affirmative. You may be seated. We appreciate you all being here today and look forward to your testimony. I remind the witnesses that we have read your written statements and they will appear in full in the hearing record. Please try to limit your oral statements to five minutes. As a reminder, please press the button on the microphone in front of you so that it's on and the members can hear you. When you begin to speak, the light in front of you will turn green. After four minutes, it'll turn yellow. And the red light, when that comes on, it uh, tells you your five minutes have expired. Mr. Grush. Mr. Chairman, uh, ranking members and congressmen, uh, thank you. I'm happy to be here. This is an important issue, and I'm grateful for your time. My name is David Charles Grush. I was an intelligence officer for 14 years, in the, both in the U.S. Air Force, uh, both active duty Air National Guard and Reserve, at the rank of major, and most recently from 2021 to 2025, or excuse me, 2023, uh, at the National Geospatial Intelligence Agency, NGA, uh, at the GS-15 civilian level, which is uh, the military equivalent of a full bird colonel. I was my agency's co-lead in Unidentified Anomalous Phenomena and Transmedium Object Analysis, as well as reporting to the UAP Task Force, UAPTF, uh, and eventually, once it was established, uh, the All-Domain Anomaly Resolution Office, ARO. I became a whistleblower through a PPD-19 urgent concern filing in uh, May 2022 uh, with the Intelligence Community Inspector General. Uh, following concerning reports from multiple esteemed and credentialed current and former military and intelligence community individuals that the U.S. government is operating with secrecy above congressional oversight uh, with regards to UAPs. My testimony is based on information I've been given by individuals with a long-standing track record of legitimacy and service to this country. Many of whom also have shared compelling evidence in the form of photography, official documentation, and classified oral testimony to myself and many my various colleagues. I have taken every step I can to corroborate this evidence over a period of four years while I was with the UAP task force and do my due diligence on the individual sharing it. Uh, this is because of these steps, I believe strongly uh, in the importance of bringing this information before you. I am driven by a commitment of both uh, to truth and transparency, rooted in our inherent duty to uphold the United States Constitution and protect the American people. 
I'm asking Congress to hold our government to this standard and thoroughly investigate these claims. But as I stand here under oath now, I am speaking to the facts as I've been told them. In the US Air Force, in my National Reconnaissance Office, NRO, reservist capacity, I was a member of the UAP Task Force from 2019 to 2021. I served at the NRO Operations Center on the director's briefing staff, which included the coordination of the presidential daily brief and supporting variety of contingency operations, which I was the Reserve Intelligence Division Chief uh, backup. In 2019, the UAP Task Force Director asked me to identify all special access programs and controlled access programs, also known as SAPs and CAPs, uh, we needed to satisfy our congressionally mandated mission, and we were direct report at the time to the DEPSEC-DEF. At the time, due to my extensive executive level intelligence support duties, I was cleared to literally all uh, relevant compartments and in a position of extreme trust, both in my military and civilian capacities. Uh, I was informed in the course of my official duties of a multi-decade uh, UAP crash retrieval and reverse engineering program, uh, to which I was denied access to those additional read-ons when I uh, requested it. I made the decision, based on the data I collected, to report this information to my superior, superiors and multiple inspectors general, and in effect becoming a whistleblower. As you know, I've suffered retaliation for my decision, uh, but I am hopeful that my actions will ultimately lead uh, to a positive outcome of uh, increased transparency. Uh, thank you, and I'm happy to answer your questions. Mr. Grush, in your complaint to the intelligence community inspector, you, inspector general, you claim that you believe information is being hidden. What kind of information do you think was hidden, and do you think it should remain hidden? Yes, I can speak to that very briefly in an unclassified manner. As you know, the preponderance of my complaint was classified to the intelligence communities. Uh, both uh, material acquisition and exploitation activity, um, also uh, baselining the UAPs but not sharing it with, you know, intelligence professionals that are actually doing step briefs to pilots, uh, that, that kind of information, yeah. Mr. Gresh, finally, do you believe that our government is in possession of UAPs? Uh, absolutely, based on interviewing uh, over 40 witnesses over four years. And, and, and where? I know the exact locations, and, and those locations were provided to the Inspector General, and some of which to the Intelligence Committees. I actually had the people with the firsthand knowledge um, provide a protected disclosure to the Inspector General. Thank you. And Mr. Chairman, I would just say that I think that these questions are important questions, and I look forward to uh, being involved in the process to get those answered. I know there'll be a lot of questions from other committee members, so I yield back. Mr. Grush, thank you for being here, brother. Thank you all very much. Um, have you faced any retaliation or reprisals for any of your testimony or anything on these lines? Yeah, uh, I have to be careful what I say in detail because there is an open uh, whistleblower reprisal investigation on my behalf, and I don't want to compromise that investigation by providing anything that may uh, help provide somebody information. But it was very brutal and uh, very unfortunate, some of the tactics they used to um, hurt me both professionally and, and personally, to be quite frank, yeah. It's very unfortunate, as they say, when you're over the target, that's when they do the most fi firing at you. Do you have any personal knowledge of people who have been harmed or injured in efforts to cover up or conceal these extraterrestrial technology? Yes. Personally. Have you heard, have anyone been murdered that you would think, that you know of? 
or have heard of, I guess? I have to be careful asking that question. I directed people with that knowledge to the appropriate authorities. Maybe in a, um, if we could get it, get in a um, confidential area skiff, we could talk about that. But unfortunately, um, we were denied access to the skiff, and that's very unfortunate in this, in this scenario. Um, Mr. Grush, what, what about you? What was your experience after you came forward? Well, uh, it's only been about two months or so, so I guess my experience has been you know, overwhelming support from uh, former colleagues of mine that have you know, privately messaged me, and, and I do appreciate that. Uh, but I, I do have knowledge of um, active planned uh, reprisal activity against myself and other colleagues, and it's very, very upsetting to me. Coming from where? Uh, certain senior leadership at previous agencies I was associated with. And that's all I'll say publicly, but I can provide more details in a closed environment. Okay. Well, I, I hope you understand that um, there would be bipartisan rejection of any attempt uh, to vilify, demonize, or engage in other reprisals against our witnesses and people who are telling the truth from their perspective. Yeah, there were certain colleagues of mine that were brutally administratively attacked, and it you know, actually makes me very upset to, as a leader to see that happen to other coworkers and actually superiors of mine over well, the last three years. How do you account for that response? That, that seems like a bizarre response. Uh, I call it administrative terrorism. That's their, their quiver, their tool in the toolbox uh, to silence people, especially you know, the uh, career government service cares about their career, cares about their clearance, uh, their reputation to climb the ladder. And when you threaten that uh, flow, career path, uh, uh, a lot of people back off. Um, but I'm here to represent those people. Mr. Grush, uh, in speaking to you yesterday, um, I just wanted to follow up on Representative Raskin's questions. In the last couple of years, have you had incidences that have caused you to be in fear for your life for addressing these issues? Yes, personally. Yeah. I just want everyone to note that he's coming forward in fear of his life to put in perspective, if they were really not scared about this information coming out, why would someone be intimidated like that? Um, to your knowledge, are NHIs working with adversarial foreign governments in either technology exchange programs or back engineering programs? I don't have data on that. I'm not sure. Have you heard or you had people come forward to present that evidence? Not that particular evidence that you just espoused. Okay. On the 19th of April, Dr. Kirkpatrick, head of Arrow, had said that he did not find any evidence of UAPs. You also stated that you had, um, in your interview, that you had briefed him on information that you were uncovering, but that he did not follow up with you. Were the items that you divulged to him pertinent to national security? Yes, uh, him and I had a classified conversation in April 2022 before he took over Arrow in uh, July two, uh, 2022, and I provided him some concerns I had. Do you know why he might not have followed up with you? I, I'm, I, unfortunately, I cannot read his mind. Um, I wish he did. Uh, I, was I was happy to give sage counsel to him on uh, where to look when he took the, the helm of Arrow. Okay, and then my last question for you before I move to Mr. Graves is um, you received prior approval from the Defense Department to speak on certain issues, correct? Correct, through uh, DOPSER, DOD Pre-Publication and Security Review. And I uh, just want to remind uh, the public, uh, they're just looking from a security perspective. Uh, these are my own personal views and opinions, uh, not the department's. Okay, I'm, I'm asking that, though, mainly because I think that there are many people that would like to discredit you 
So mm -hmm. it does bring a certain amount of credibility to your testimony. Uh, I'm required by law to do that as a former intelligence officer or I go to jail for revealing well, classified information. Yeah, we don't want you to yeah. go to jail. Mr. Grush, as a result of your previous government work, have you met with people with direct knowledge or have direct knowledge yourself of non-human origin craft? Yes, I personally interviewed those individuals. <clears throat> Mr. Grush, as a result of your previous government work, have you met with people with direct knowledge or have direct knowledge yourself about ATs, advanced technologies that the U.S. government has? Uh, based on uh, conventional uh, advanced tech, I was briefed to uh, the preponderance of the defense departments, both space and aerospace compartmented programs, yeah. Do you have knowledge or do you have reason to believe that there are programs in the advanced tech space that are unsanctioned? Uh, yes, I do. Okay. Yeah. And, and when you say that they're above congressional oversight, what do you mean? A uh, complicated question. Uh, so there's, you know, some, I would call it abuse here. So congressional oversight of conventional spe special access programs, and I'll use Title 10, so DOD as an example, right? So 10 U.S. Code Section 119 discusses congressional oversight of SAPs, discusses uh, the, the DEPSECDEF's ability to waive congressional reporting. However, the Gang of Eight is at least supposed to be notified if a, you know, a waived or waived bigoted unacknowledged SAP is uh, created, and that's public law. Well, so that how does, I mean, I don't want to cut you off, but yeah. how does a program like that get funded? I will give you generalities. I can get very specific in a closed session, uh, but a mis misappropriation of funds and uh, does that mean that Does that mean that there is money in the budget that is said to go to a program, but it doesn't, and it goes to something else? Yes, I have specific knowledge of that. Yep. Do you think U.S. corporations are over overcharging for certain tech they're selling to the U.S. government, and that additional money is going to programs? Correct, through something called IRAD. Okay. Um, satellite imagery. Let's talk about satellite imagery. We have satellites all over the place, some that we're aware of and many that we're not aware of, right? We're taking pictures of everything at every point in second. Uh, Mr. Grush, are you aware, do you have direct knowledge, or have you talked to people with direct knowledge that there are satellite imagery of these events? Uh, that was one of my primary tasks at NGA, since we uh, process, exploit, and disseminate that kind of information. I've seen multiple cases, some of which, to my understanding, and of course, I left NGA in April, so that's my information cutoff date. Uh, but I personally um, reviewed both uh, what we call overhead collection and from other strategic and tactical platforms that were, I could not even explain prosaically. And I have a degree in physics, by the way, as well. And I had, I, I'm aware that you guys have not seen these um, reports, unfortunately. And I it, don't know why. It is, do you have direct knowledge, or you've spoken to people with direct knowledge that this imagery applies to crash sites, crash, crash imagery? I can't discuss that in an open session. Okay. Uh, do you have any information that the U.S. government is involved in a disinformation campaign to deny the existence of certain UAPs? I can't go beyond what I've already stated publicly in my News Nation interview because uh, it touches other sensitivities. Okay. I'll yield the balance of my time uh, uh, back. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Ms. Fox. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, and I thank our witnesses for being here today. Um, Mr. Garouche, in your sworn testimony, you state that the United States government has retrieved supposedly extra 
extraterrestrial spacecraft and other UAP-related artifacts. You go so far as to state that the U.S. is in possession of, quote, non-human spacecraft, end quote, and that some of these artifacts have circulated with defense contractors. Several other former military and intelligence officials have come forward with similar allegations, albeit in non-public settings. However, Dr. Sean Kirkpatrick, the director of AARO, previously testified before Congress that there has been, and I quote, no credible evidence thus far of extraterrestrial activity or of, quote, off-world technology brought to the attention of the office. To your knowledge, is that statement correct? It's not accurate. I believe Dr. Kirkpatrick um, mentioned he had about 30 individuals that have come to Arrow thus far. A few of those individuals have also come to Arrow that I also interviewed, okay. and I know what they provided Dr. Kirkpatrick and, and their team. Okay. I was able to evaluate okay. that I, information. Okay, I need to go on. Sure. But um, my understanding that this, his statement is accurate, uh, came from a direct quote. And this contradiction is a perfect example of why we need to inject transparency into our government. And for another example, look no further than the pitiful response to the Chinese spy balloon debacle earlier this year. You may remember the mass confusion that ensued when the balloon was first spotted over Montana, four days after it first entered U.S. airspace over Alaska. The Biden administration's initial inability to address the object grew into a continuous series of embarrassments. After news of the balloon reached the mainstream media, we were assured that the balloon posed no threat to our security. However, after the balloon was allowed to transit the entire continental United States, fighter jets were scrambled off the coast of South Carolina to shoot it down. This flip-flopping and obfuscation caused needless confusion, fear, and panic across the country. It's my hope, Mr. Chairman, that this sort of confusion will not be repeated. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. I'm going <clears> to <throat> direct this, I believe, to um, Mr. Grush, but if any of you all feel like you need to jump in, just jump right in. We're good. Um, has the U.S. government become aware of actual evidence of extraterrestrial, otherwise unexplained forms of intelligence? And if so, when do you think this first occurred? Uh, I like to use the term non-human. I don't like to denote origin. Keeps the aperture open, both scientifically. Right. Uh, uh, certainly, uh, like I've dis discussed publicly uh, previously in 1930s. Okay. Can you give me the names and titles of the people with direct firsthand knowledge uh, and access to some of this crash retrieval, some of these crash retrieval programs, and maybe which facilities, military bases, that would the recovered material would be in? And I know a lot of Congress have talked about we're going to go to Area 51, and you know, I mean, there's nothing there anymore anyway. It's just you know, and we move like a glacier. And as soon as we announce it, I'm sure the moving vans would pull up. But please. Uh, I can't discuss that publicly, but I did provide that information both to the Intel committees and the Inspector General. And we could get that in the SCIF if we were allowed to get in a SCIF with you. Would that be probably what you would think? Sure, if you had the appropriate yeah. accesses, yeah. 
what special access programs cover this information, and how is it possible that they have evaded oversight for so long? Uh, I do know the names. Once again, I can't discuss that publicly and, and how they've evaded oversight. I, in a close setting, I can tell you the specific tradecraft use. All right. When, did, when do you think those programs began and who authorized them? I do know a lot of that information, but that's something I can't discuss publicly because of sensitivities. All right. If any of y'all want to jump in on any of this, you're more than welcome to. Um, what level of security clearance is required to fully access these programs? Well, anybody who has... Uh, and, I, and I say that because myself, um, Representative Gates and Representative Luna were mm -hmm. basically turned away at one point mm -hmm. at Eglin. So please go right ahead. Uh, certainly difference between member access and say somebody like me, but anybody who has a you know, TSSCI clearance and meets the eligibility criteria, the access adjudicative authority should be able to grant you access. So, yeah. uh, Mr. Burchard, if you'll yield. So just to be put a fine point on that, there's nothing that you're aware of that's above special access program classification. It, it's a misnomer that there's anything actually above top secret. Executive Order 13526 delineates the classification levels. Right. And, but I, I draw a point on that because we can have access to, mm -hmm. to those programs. And so the notion that we're not being given that access sort of defies our typical muscle memory here in Congress. Thank you, Mr. Burchard. I'll yield back to you. Thank you, Mr. Gates. Um, along those lines, Title 10, you may not know this or not, but uh, Title 10 and Title 50 authorization, uh, they, they seem to say they're inefficient. It, so who gets to decide this, in your opinion, in the past? Uh, it's a group of career uh, senior executive officials. Okay. Are they government officials? Both or in and out. Do what? Both in and out of government. And that's about as far I as I go there. Yeah. All right. Well, that's... It leads to my next question. Which private corporations are directly involved in this program? How much taxpayer money has been invested in these programs, to your knowledge? I mean, we know we, know we, we audit the Pentagon every year, and I've been here five years, and they failed the dadgum thing every year. They uh, lose over a billion dollars a year, we think, and I've told the Department of Defense maybe 60% of their assets are unaccounted for, whatever the heck that means in the public's sector, you go to jail for that kind of crap. So tell me. Yeah, I know when I, um, I'm, I'm a dollar off of my DTS travel voucher, I get hammered, but it uh, seems like it doesn't work the other if way. You right? sell over yeah. six, if you sell over $600 worth of stuff on eBay, now you get a call from the IRS. So mm -hmm. please, what corporations? Yeah, I don't know the specific metrics towards the end of your question. Uh, the specific corporations I did provide uh, to the committees in specific divisions and uh, I spent 11 and a half hours with both Intel committees. So. Okay. Has there been any, has there been an active U.S. government disinformation campaign to deny the existence of unidentified aerial phenomena? And if so, why? I can't go beyond what I've already espoused publicly about that. Thank you. Ms. Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, thank you, Mr. Chairman, and thank you to our witnesses for coming here today. Um, I do concur with the ranking member as well as several other members here on this committee that uh, this is a committee for whistleblowers and for the protection of whistleblowers as well. So we understand uh, what you're putting um, on the table here and what you're putting on the line here, and we thank you for that. Uh, Mr. Grush, you sat on the Unidentified Anomalous Phenomenon Task Force created in the 2020 NDAA, correct? Yes. Uh, there have been some things that, uh, that have been mentioned here during this hearing that I wanted to pick up on. Um, 
Mr. Graves, you mentioned specifically during the answers to one of your questions, you named Boeing contractors um, being engaged in an incident regarding this red cube about a football, um, a football field wide. I was wondering if you could speak a little bit about the interaction or Mr. Grush, either of you, the interactions between defense contractor companies and any UAP-related programs or activities? So I'll just say that the information about uh, the contractor himself were provided by a witness, and I have no particular Understood. detail in that relationship. Mr. Grush. Uh, the kind of general unclass wave tops, uh, certainly the contractors, you know, are the metal benders, so to speak, mm -hmm. the ones actually uh, doing specific uh, performance on government contracts. Are they required um, to issue any disclosure regarding UAP sightings, or do they engage in any uh, reporting around this? Uh, in terms of the contractors? Yes. Not that I'm aware of. They do not. Okay. Now, when it comes to notification that you had mentioned about um, IRAP pro IRAD programs, we have seen uh, defense contractors abuse uh, their contracts before through this committee. Um, I have seen it personally, um, and I have also seen the notification requirements to Congress abused. Um, I am wondering, one of the loopholes that we see in the law is that there is, at least from my vantage point, is that depending on what we're seeing is that there are no actual definitions or requirements for notification. Are there what methods of notification did you observe? Like when they say they notified Congress, how did they do that? Do you have insight into that? Uh, for certain IRAD activities, uh, and I, uh, I can only think of ones conventional in nature. Mm -hmm. um, sometimes they thro uh, flow through certain, I'll just say, SAP programs that have cognizant authority over uh, the Air Force or something. And those are congressionally reported compartments. But IRAD is literally internal to the contractor, mm -hmm. so as long as it's money, either profits, private investment, et cetera, and they to, can do whatever they want. To put a yeah. finer point on yeah. it, when there is a requirement for any agency or company to notify, or any agency to notify Congress, do they contact the chairman of a committee? Do they get them on the phone specifically? Is this through an email to hypothetically a dead email box? Uh, a lot of it comes through what they call the PPR, Periodic Program Review Process, mm -hmm. if it's a, you know, a SAP or Controlled Access Program Equity, and then those go to the specific committees, whether it be the SAS, CASC, okay. HISI. Thank you. Um, I, I want to get into uh, specifics here, and, and the reason I'm going to go this way is because you've talked a bit about um, what I would call misdirection by um, official U.S. government with regard to UAPs, right? And so I'm going to get to that in a second. But last week, White House NSC spokesman John Kirby stated that UAPs are having an impact on our training ranges and need to be treated as a legitimate issue. Do you concur with the statements? That's for each of you. Yes. 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 Okay. Um, now, having said that, I'm going to take you to specific instances around the Phoenix Valley, because that's where I, I live. And in 97, we had the famous Phoenix Light case. I don't know if any of you are familiar with that. Uh, there, were, there were two things that went along with that, and the explanation was military training range off Luke and the Barry Goldwater range. Do you know anything different other than the official explanation of those lights? Only what's in the public vernacular about it. That was outside the scope of my 
duties. And if we wanted to, just my question along with my colleague from New York, Ms. Ocasio-Cortez, if we wanted to find out more about that, where would we go to find the files and, where, and who would we address? And are you going to tell me we need to go to a SCIF so you can tell us in a SCIF? I could potentially give you a vector on that. Uh, that specific case, I'm not, I mean, I'm familiar with it in terms of public, but uh, I, I, I give you a vector in closed environment, yeah. Th that would be good, thank you. So if, if it's true that UAPs are having an impact on training ranges and this administration considers it to be a legitimate issue, what steps can Congress take to address training range impacts? And I say that having two very large training ranges in my state. And so we'll start with Mr. Graves and go on down the the panel. Some of the initial procedures have been implemented, uh, such as within the United States Navy that have a range follower report that gathers information from pilots. Uh, I understand that a service-wide reporting mechanism is still pending. However, that would be a great next step, not only for gathering information, but for showing the troops that it is an acceptable topic and reducing the stigma. Is, okay, please, all of you continue. Yeah, as a recipient of a lot of those training range reports, uh, sometimes we only get contextual kind of um, oral uh, reporting. It'd be nice if they attached all sensor data and there's a system in place that can handle multiple classifications yes. of data. And that's an issue with the F-35, right? That jet was never right. built to be an ISR platform. Right. And it's a pain in the, we'll just say, butt uh, to get that data off. So, yeah. Great. Thank you. Yeah, I would agree with the previous two being a user of those training ranges. Uh, that the data has to be out there. You have to acknowledge that you're seeing them, and then you have to collect the data. Right now, you get the report. Someone says, I saw something, but no one collects the radar data to, to, to back it up and do research. Okay. Uh, do you believe that the 2019 classification guidelines for UAPs interferes with the federal government's ability to be transparent with the American people? And do you think we need to be more transparent with the American people? All of you, yeah. I'll, I'll say yes to that. Yeah, I'm familiar with the, the, at least the UAP Task Force 2019 uh, Security Classification right. Guide. Uh, I think it's fair. Um, I did actually help uh, author that with the uh Oh, you got, you got a bias that yeah, way then. <laughs> but I will say, uh, I'll call it a lazy attitude about declassifying videos. I mean, I've seen some of the videos of uh, you know, the recent shoot down, and I saw no reason that couldn't have been released as long as they mask you know, some data. Uh, the American people deserve to see that, that imagery and, and full motion video. And then we go to Mr. Burleson. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, appreciate you guys coming out today, testifying. Look, I've been here for six months, and I'm pretty skeptical. I don't trust anything in this town. And, um, and so, I, and I think that's because I'm from Missouri. You've got to show me, right? Um, with that being said, um, there's been a lot of things that have been said um, in, in the public, uh, Mr. Grush. And, and so I want to get down to, if we can, some specifics, right? So um, at one point you had said that there, 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 there uh, has been harmful activity or aggressive activity. Mm -hmm. Has any of the activity um, been aggressive, been um, hostile in your reports? Uh, I know of multiple colleagues of mine that got physically injured. And uh, the activity... And I got to, by by UAPs or by by people within the the federal government. Both. Okay, yeah. so yeah. there has been activity by by alien or no. non non human technology and or beings that has caused harm to humans. 
Uh, I can't get into the specifics in a, an open environment, but at least the activity that I personally witnessed, and I have to be very careful here, because uh, you don't, you know, they tell you never to acknowledge tradecraft, right? So what I personally witnessed myself and my wife was very disturbing. Okay. Um, one of my constituents actually sent this next question, and I figured I'd ask it since I had the same thought. You've said that the U.S. has intact spacecraft. You said that the government has alien bodies or alien species. Have you seen, have you, have you seen the spacecraft? I have to be careful to describe what I've seen uh, firsthand and not in this environment, but I, I could answer that question behind, behind closed doors. Yeah. And have you seen any of the bodies? That's something I've, I've not uh, witnessed myself. Okay, and so with that being said, you know, the other statement that has been made that was intriguing to me because, and it's intriguing because my, my view has been that we are billions of light years away from any, any other system. And the concept that an alien species that's technologically advanced enough to travel billions of light years gets here and somehow is incompetent enough to not survive Earth or crashes is, is something that I find a little bit far-fetched. And with that being said, you have mentioned that there's interdimensional p potential. Could you expound on that? Oh, yeah, to answer your first question, and you know, I'm here as a fact witness and expert, but I, I will give you a, a theoretical framework at least to work off to kind of espouse uh, crashes, uh, regardless of uh, you know, your level of sentience, right? You know, planes crash, cars crash. N number of sorties, however high, a small percentage are going to end in you know, mission failure, if you will, as we say in the, in the Air Force. Uh, and then in terms of uh, multidimensionality, that kind of thing, the, the framework uh, that I'm familiar with, for example, is something called the holographic principle. Uh, both uh, it's, it derives itself from general relativity and uh, quantum mechanics, and that is if you want to imagine a 3D object such as yourself casting a shadow onto a 2D surface, uh, that's the holographic principle. So you can be projected, quasi-projected from higher dimensional space to lower dimensional. It's a scientific trope that you can actually cross, literally, as far as I understand, but there's probably guys of PhDs that we could probably but, argue about that. But you have yeah. not seen any documentation that that's what's occurring. Uh, only a theoretical framework discussion. Yes. Okay. Um, okay. Occam's razor is that this, these aircraft, um, have they been identified that they are being produced by, by domestic um, you know, military and, um, contractors? Is there any evidence that that's what's being recovered? Uh, not to my knowledge, plus the recoveries predate a lot of our advanced programs that I previously am witting of. So. Um, would it be safe to say that there could be a scenario today where you have um, an aircraft that crashes and it, because it's been involved in one program from one federal agency, and the, but, the, but the agency that retrieves it does, is not aware of that program, and to them it, it appears alien in origin? I mean, that's a hypothetical situation. I'm not aware of any uh, historical situation that would match that that you described, so. You're not aware, it has not happened that you're aware of? That I'm aware of. Um. Thank you, Mr. Chairman, I yield back.
Um, Mr. Gresh, a couple of questions for you too, sir, this morning. Um, what percentage of UAPs do you feel are adequately investigated by the U.S. government? Of the 5% that are reported. <laughs> um, I can only speak for uh, my personal leadership over at NGA. I tried to look at every report that came through that I could mm -hmm. triage. So. Do you believe that officials at the highest levels of our national security apparatus have unlawfully withheld information from Congress and subverted uh, our oversight authority? There are certain elected leaders that had more information that I'm not sure what they've shared with certain Gang of Eight members or et cetera, but uh, certainly uh, I would not be surprised. Okay. You've stated that the government is in possession of potentially non-human spacecraft. Based on your experience and extensive conversations with experts, do you believe our government has made contact with intelligent extraterrestrials? Something I can't discuss in public setting. Um, okay, I can't ask when you think this occurred. <laughs> if you believe we have crashed craft, uh, stated earlier, do we have the bodies of the pilots who piloted this craft? As I've stated publicly already in my News Nation interview, uh, biologics came with some of these recoveries. Yeah. Um, were they, I guess, human or non-human biologics? Non-human, and that was the assessment of people uh, with direct knowledge on the program I talked to that are currently still on the program. And was this documentary evidence, this video, photos, eyewitness, like how would that be determined? The specific documentation I would have to talk to you in a skiff about. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, okay. So, and, and you may or may not be able to answer my last question, and maybe we get into a skiff at the next hearing that we have, but who in the government either... What agency, sub-agency, what contractors, who should be called into the next hearing about UAPs, either in a public setting or even in a private setting? And, and you probably can't name names, but what agencies or organizations, contractors, et cetera, do we need to call in to get these questions answered, whether it's about funding, what programs are happening, and what's out there? I can give you a specific cooperative and hostile witness list of specific individuals uh, that were in those. And, and how soon can we get that list? I'm happy to provide that to you after the hearing. Super. Thank you. And I yield back. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Thank you, Mr. Ogles, for the great questions, brother. Um, Mr. Grush, I might have asked this before, but I want to make sure. Do you have any personal knowledge of someone who's possibly been injured working on legacy UAP reverse engineering? Yes. Okay. Um, how were they injured? Was it is it something like a radioactive type situation or something we didn't understand? I've heard people talk about Havana syndrome type incidences. What, what was your recollection of that? I can't get into specifics, but you could imagine assessing an, an unknown unknown. Uh, there's a lot of uh, potentialities you can't fully prepare for. How do you think we ought to handle UAP whistleblower complaints like yours in the, in the future? Yeah, there was some issue with mine. So, you know, PPD-19 process, it goes to the Intel committees, uh, either through PPD-19 or ICD-120. There's not a good way for the Intelligence Community Inspector General to provide that to other committees. And I asked my information to be sent to the House and Senate Armed Services Committee because there are Title X equities at play, but there was no smooth process okay. to do so. Yeah. That's a trash can. Um, are you aware of any individuals that are participating in reverse engineering programs for non-terrestrial craft? Personally, yes. Do mm -hmm. uh, you know any that would be willing to testify if there were protections for them?
certainly closed door and assurances uh, that breaking their NDA, they're not going to get um, administratively punished for okay. so. Yeah. I yield, Mr. Chairman. Uh, Chairman, I'd like to submit for the record an article by News Nation, and it follows uh, Mr. Grush's full interview for the record. Without objection. Thank you. <clears throat> um, Mr. Grush, why is it that you pr uh, refer to the phenomenon as non-human intelligence? Why deviate from the basis of extraterrestrial life? I think the phenomenon uh, is uh, uh, very complex, and I like to leave an open mind analytically to specific origin. When you say specific origin, are you referring, can you elaborate on that for those that might not? If it's a traditional extraterrestrial origin or something else that we don't quite understand uh, from either a biological or astrophysics perspective, yeah, I just like to keep an open mind on what it could be, yeah. Okay, and uh, referring to your News Nation interview, you had referenced uh, specific treaties between governments. Um, Article 3 of the Nuclear Arms Treaty with Russia identifies UAPs. It specifically mentions yep. them. To your knowledge, are there safety measures in place with foreign governments or other superpowers to avoid an escal escalatory situation in the event that a UAP um, malevolent, malevolent event occurs? Uh, yeah, you're referring to actual uh, a public treaty in the UN register. Um, it's funny you mentioned that. Yeah, the agreement on measures to reduce the risk of outbreak of nuclear war signed in 1971. Uh, unclassified treaty publicly available. And if you cite the George Washington uh, University National Security Archives, you will find uh, the declassified in 2013 specific provisions in the specific uh, red line flash message traffic with the specific codes pursuant to Article 3 and Article, uh, also Situation 2, which is in the, the previously classified NSA archive, what I would recommend, and I, I tried to get access, but uh, uh, I got a wall of silence at the White House, uh, was those specific incidents when those um, message traffic was used. I think uh, some scholarship on that would open the door to a further investigation uh, using those publicly available information. Thank you. And then my last question with 51 seconds remaining. You mentioned white-collar crimes potentially being um, taking place in regards to a cover-up. Can you please elaborate? I have concerns based on the interviews I conducted under my official duties of uh, potential violations of the federal acquisition regulations, the FAR. Thank you very much, yep. Chairman. I yield the remainder of my time. Okay. Mr. Grush, um, You've been able to answer in great detail on certain questions and then other things you say you're not able uh, to respond to. Can you just explain where you're drawing the line? Uh, what's the basis uh, for that? Yeah, based on my Dopser security review uh, and what they've determined that is unclassified. I see. So you're answering any questions that just call upon your knowledge of unclassified questions, but anything that relates to classified matters you're not commenting on in this context? In an open session, but happy to participate in a closed session at the right level, yeah. Um, let me ask you all, how can the public contribute to UAP reporting, and what avenues you think are available to the public to report these sightings? I'll just touch on the whistleblower side of it. I do encourage you know, current former military intelligence community and industry contractors to come forward in a legal way, either through the IC or DOD or whatever the cognizant IGs are. Um, to, to lead, you know, lead, you know, join me in this discussion.